Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. If you're following along with us, we're in Proverbs chapter 14. Shall we pray together, Father? We come to you today, believing, Lord God, that you will speak to us. Believing, Father, that we need what you have. And so we submit ourselves and we open our hearts, Father. This is not about us gaining intellect. It's about us gaining relationship. And so we thank you, Father, that you speak to us in ways that enhance and enrich the relationship that we have with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Proverbs chapter 14. And uh, again, these, these 10 chapters, and I don't remember when they started. I think they must end in a, in a few more uh, uh, chapters. But, but these are those things, literary-wise, called couplets. Um, these are all attributed to Solomon. Likely, Solomon was, was putting together, or his scribes were writing down, these little things that became how he talked to his children. And, and how he uh, potentially prepared. And again, we don't live in a society like that anymore. We don't have the transference of kings that, that they had. Um, we don't understand, or I shouldn't, I shouldn't put all this on you. If you've never lived in a kingdom with a king, you likely don't understand what that's like. I mean, if you watched when uh, this, this uh, last couple of months when, when uh, the Queen of England passed away and her son, the king, he didn't do anything other than get born, you know, to, to, to be the king. And, and they had all this pomp and circumstances that, that transitioned him. And he is uh, very, it, it's just difficult to process. He is the sovereign of the kingdom and so that was the thought process. I personally believe that God was trying to show his people how this worked, that there is a sovereign to the kingdom that we live in. So when he's teaching his children, he probably did that and potentially did that based on just natural understanding. Here's how this works. Here's what we need to do. Here are the things that he determined uh, were important. And again, I don't want to put all this on Solomon. Of course, he determined that or naturally, but just like us, God speaks to us. And some of the stuff that we intended to do or some of the stuff that we're talking about are really God designed. I mean, he, he enables us or, 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 or prompts us and pushes us with the words of the Holy Spirit to do that. And so we just accept that as a part of what's going on. And so we're picking and choosing and cruising our way through this. And I want to start in Proverbs chapter 14. I want you to, to notice in the, the third verse, it says, The mouth of a fool is a rod of pride. Now, we don't talk this way anymore, but when you see the word rod, oftentimes you should think of the kind of sticks, walking sticks and things like that that people use. This is a swatting stick. This is the thing that you get hit with from the front seat of the car to the back seat of the car when you're an unruly child. 
Okay, the rod is coming, whatever you think that was. I've, I've often told the story here. We had a very long 1963 Impala station wagon that I kind of grew up in, at least from 1963 to 1966. My family and I, we traveled, my dad and my mother drug us on family vacations. Okay, when you're locked in a car with a dad who likes to drive. Family vacation isn't necessarily going somewhere and staying. It's going somewhere and continuing to move. So two weeks of driving and eating at, at A&W restaurants and, and, and all of that. And I just have one brother uh, 13 months older than me, and we would be in the back of the car. This is before seatbelts. Okay, so mom and dad had a, a bench seat across the front and we had this little thing that 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 kind of had these metal bars and it made a table. And so we would lay the seats down. We put our feet between the the back of the front seat and the laid down seat of the back seat. And that's where we would sit with this little table and we had coloring books and I have very vivid memories of this, not because of all of this, but because my mom had an unrolled unfolded hanger. Okay, yeah, ouch. You could, hear, you could hear it coming through the air. And so if we were being unruly, we would bail out of there with our feet and we'd roll to the back of the station wagon. And, and the fight was, who got there last? Because whoever got there last was the one getting whipped with that thing. And, and she got your attention. And let me just point out something to you. And this is, here's the point. Are you ready? She got our attention before she did anything with the rod. We knew it was coming. She'd already warned us like 72 times and she said the same thing. I'll have your dad pull this car over. Right? You ever, you ever done that with your kids? <laughs> Straighten up or I'll pull this car over. You know, we're going to get out. We knew that wasn't going to happen because my dad was a driver. Okay? So he's driving. He's not pulling the car over. Mom needs to deal with that. And so anyway... Here's the point. Look at verse number three. In the mouth of the fool is the rod of pride. Notice that what the psalmist is trying to get us to realize is that there will be people, foolish people, whose mouth will become an instrument of their own discipline towards you. Chugga, 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 chugga. Are you tracking with me? Okay, so here's how it works. Now, now guard your heart and please don't, you know, get angry at me. <coughs> But when you believe that you know what someone else needs and you begin to tell them and more appropriately teach them in almost condescending nature, that's what he's talking about. That's pride. Pride says I can look at your life with a casual glance and because I notice what you're doing, I can speak to you in such a way that my mouth, foolish as it is, will become a rod of pride. Do you see it? Why is that important? Because people, it was a rhetorical question, because people will run from your prideful determination of their life. They will. They, they, won't, they won't hang around. You need to realize that you need to maintain. So if you're the king... And I realize we don't have a, a, a huge experience with any of this kind of stuff. But if your natural king is some arrogant, bombastic kind of guy who's always just throwing zingers around and things like that, how do you know you're not going to have any respect for him? 
Okay, if we see God that way, if all we ever see is God, you know, so here's how the, the mouth of a fool uses a rod of pride. We see somebody who's doing something that maybe we've been delivered from or we think we've been delivered from. And we'll say things like, well, now, you know, they don't know, first of all, when you tell them, you know, well, you know, if you just do this. Well, no, that may not work. Because each of our circumstances are really a lot different because what's God trying to do either in the midst of or even through some of those circumstances. I had a situation this week or maybe late last week where I was crushed by what God was saying to me. And he pointed out to me what I consider even to today a speck of heart wickedness. I know lots of people way worse than me. Come on, don't, don't sit there and say, yeah, well, pastor, we've been hoping that God would talk to you about that thing. You, first of all, you don't even know what it is. And if you've been around me long enough, I'm only talking about it now and I'm not mentioning it because guess what? Since God mentioned it to me, God and I have got to deal with it. And God and I don't need anybody's help. More specifically, God doesn't need any help. Amen? And she said, well, pastor, you know, you need to tap the brakes and remember that a mouth of the fool is a rod of pride. But notice the next part of this verse. Oh, thank you. Is this what you were telling me wasn't going to work well? Okay. So if you want, you see this, how pretty that is? We've, we've, we've done a transition to accommodate some other areas of our ministry. And if you look at the back, I'm not looking at the same thing you are. And this is the first time that this is, this is gone. So I can now see all the, all the verses. Are you going to be able to do that during Sunday school or during church when I have that big long passage from Matthew 5? Oh, that will be so good. And you can put it up there in the message. Yay. See, you won't care. In fact, it's likely to make me look really smart. We didn't do it for that reason. I didn't, I didn't, I did not know the technology existed. Okay? So don't look and go, wow, Pastor, that's great. Yeah, right. All I did was say yes. I, I didn't know it existed. But, but anyway, it, it, you know, as things will happen, I didn't know this was the week, but I really need this for this morning. So, yeah, just, just happened by circumstantial coincidence. See, that's, what, that's also the, the mouth of a fool. See, circumstantially, we end up believing things that just kind of happen just because. We have this cosmic thing that's going. No, God really is at work in some of the smallest details that you could ever imagine. Now, notice again in verse number three, the mouth of the fool is the rod, <coughs> the rod of pride. Second half, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Now, I love studying like this. If, if I was ever to not be a pastor, this is what I'd do. We just start at the beginning. I've read the Bible just a few times over 40 years. And much of it is at least remotely, if not more than remotely familiar to me. And so... It's so great to trust God for these things. But look what it says. Verse 3. The lips of the wise will preserve them. 
So notice the mouth of the fool. Are we together? But the lips of the wise. There's a difference. The lip, go ahead and try and talk like a ventriloquist where your mouth doesn't move. Right? It's not easy. It's not easy to do that. The lips is, is really what puts the twist, whatever we want, context and, 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 and how we say it, it puts that on there. This is the fine tuning that God does. But notice what he says it'll do. How many of you have ever heard me talk about my jelly fetish? Or more so, I didn't know it wasn't jelly. I really have a jam or a, who, who knows what else is, oh, preserves. Look at the verse. The lips of the wise will what? Okay, I know it's not the same context, but tell me, somebody explain to me what a preserve is. It's the whole fruit. So within it, so it says on there, I happen to like peach, okay? I've been here long enough that whenever I say these things, people go out and buy it for me. Please don't buy me peach, okay? But I mean, it's okay. I probably use a jar a month. And the last time I think I mentioned orange marmalade, and I got like seven jars. <laughs> and, and so thank you guys so much. But that's not the point. I mean, I shouldn't probably be telling a story. But it's so fitting because what's he saying here? That inside the words of a wise person is the remnants of the original. Peach preserves has what in it? Peaches. So the, 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 the sugar and the, and the pectin and whatever they use to, think, the, to thicken it up. But what am I really looking for inside the jar of peach preserves? The fruit. I want the peaches. I want the remnant of the original. In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise contains the remnant of the original. The, the wise person's language will sound like God is incorporated into it. See, you can talk all you want, but most of us, when we talk, we ought to play it back. Because sometimes our degrees don't show. <laughs> right? How many of you don't understand... What the Bible actually teaches that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, of course, in what we want and when we're being careful, we think that's great. But I'm talking about the wise person talking throughout the day. Why would Solomon teach his children this or teach his son this more specifically? That there had to be or there needed to be a remnant of the original in his language. You need to talk so that the kingship of natural lands gets passed down and there's a continuity between who we are, what we say, and how things go. You understand that your army is not going to line up behind you if you don't talk the right way as a king. Right? I mean, we live in a land today where our president is also the commander-in-chief under terms of war and the declaration of war, he's like the, 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 the grand general. How many of you understand it's really important 
that what he says lines up with the original intent, right, the preserve of our Constitution or or whatever, or people will begin to question that, right? (coughs) It's the reason that that if if you study old history, if you study that, what you'll find is that certain... Um, countries rise and fall because of this lineage thing where somebody got put in as king who didn't have the principles of the kingdom, right? In, in, in the Old Testament. Okay, so, so ministries come, rise and fall, based on the wise person having the lips that contain the original. Does that make sense? Now, I know I, I'm, I'm spending, you know, 15 minutes on one one scripture, but it's extraordinarily important because he's showing us how the future works as well. See, we don't live in a kingdom, but Revelation, four times in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, through the inspiration of the writer, calls us kings unto God. Oh, so we are kings and priests. We're rulers unto God. Why is that? Then this verse, why is that important? Because we need to be wise people who have in our speech, in the formation of our speech, the, the preserves. <laughs> now, in this case, it's, it's meaning to, to kind of save us and preserve us that way. But can you see that that little twist that I just put on it also brings forward what God also intends for us to do, which is to be a... a, a, a a reservoir of the, of the preserve of God's work and God's word. Does that make sense? Isn't that a good verse? I, I, I love chapter 14. So far, every time I study these things, I go, oh, I love this chapter. Well, there's just so many great things there. Look down, if you would, please, to verse number six. And there's things in between here, okay? I realize I can't teach it verse by verse, or you all would be bored out of your gourd. I could teach it verse by verse. But we would be in chapter 3. Okay, so sorry. Verse 6, a scoffer, this is a verbal doubter. Okay, a scoffer seeks wisdom and does not find it. Does not find it. God seems to be suggesting to us that verbal doubters look for what isn't available to them. See, this kind of wisdom, this kind of understanding from a New Testament standpoint is the kind of understanding, is the kind of wisdom that spiritual people get. You know, we looked in the last couple of weeks, uh, second, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we, we see that the natural man, 2 and, and, and verse uh, um, 13 or 14, says the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're, they're, they're spiritually discerned. They're literally helped along by the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. They're spiritually sought out or found and so forth. So this is saying that a scoffer, this, this, this doubter, and these are the people that say, prove it to me. Listen, we live in a land at a time where the average person is saying, prove it to me. Prove me, prove to me that your God is really powerful. Yeah. Now, first of all, do not buy into the scoff that challenges you to prove what God's word says. It is not your responsibility. Remember when Jesus was taken into the wilderness, led in, the Bible says in Luke chapter 4, he's led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. Does anybody know what happens right previous to that? 
Jesus is baptized. What does God say? Jesus comes up out of the water, the dove's floating in. This is my beloved son in whom I'm... He's led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. What's the first question that, that the devil gives him? If you are the son of God. He tries to, ch- to challenge Jesus to prove what God has said. That's the day we live in. Scoffers will get you to say, oh, your God isn't powerful enough. He doesn't care about this. He doesn't care about that. Yeah, he really does. But he doesn't have to prove that to you. Because the only way for us to prove that is to prove it with a stronger argument. You can try that if you want, but you understand that your Christian communication seasoned with grace, you may become the one who's actually speaking evil by your argument with somebody who's operating from a position of evil. Scoffer seeks wisdom, does not find it. But knowledge, now pay attention, knowledge is easy. Now, I'm not exactly sure how else to define this word, but easy. It's easy. To him who what? Does it make you scratch your head? Don't you want God to say what it is you're supposed to be understanding? What's the implication? What's the guy looking for? Go back to the first part. Scoffer seeks what? Wisdom. Does not find it. But knowledge is easy. Knowledge is the application of wisdom. If you've ever been to college and you sat in a professor's class that was like really smart, but you were pretty sure that he would drown in a quarter inch of rain. Right? I mean, just, oh, help me, Jesus. What is your issue, buddy? Do you, do you understand this? He, he's, he's wise, but he doesn't know what he has. So a person with understanding uses the knowledge that God gives us to understand that God also gave us that same wisdom that everybody else is seeking. If Jesus lives in you, and the Bible says he is made, out, 1 Corinthians 1.13, he is one, it's in the Bible, 130. That's exactly right. 1 Corinthians 1 and 30 says, He has made unto us wisdom. Right? It's in there. Became for us. I was really, it was exactly the right verse. Okay? But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. If you are born again, where is all the wisdom that you need? Within us. In Christ Jesus is right, but he lives in us. Within us. Knowledge causes us to look to the person of God that lives in us. See, the person who doesn't understand that will go around and read 72 books, you know, and do all that, hoping to find what he never finds. That's the scoffer. Seeks wisdom. Amen. But the knowledgeable... For, but the knowledge is easy to him who understands. Notice in verse number 7, let's keep moving so I don't run out of time just taking all these verses apart. Go from the presence of a foolish man. How do you know he's a foolish man? Because of his mouth. That's the process in this, in this chapter, right? His mouth. 
A foolish man, look up verse number three. A, a, a mouth of a fool is a rod of pride. They will speak in pride. You say, well, how do I know that? Because they're taking credit. I've had an opportunity over 40 years of ministry to sit at tables with ministry people. <coughs> and I don't know when it happened that I decided I no longer had anything to prove. Okay? I, I do know what precipitated it. I always have a brand new Bible, and whenever I go to a pastor's conference, I take a brand new Bible. Because if the preaching gets boring, I turn it page by page, because sooner or later I'm going to be in front of you, and the pages are still going to be stuck together. And it's going to look like I never read my Bible. Okay? <laughs> I don't have any Bibles in my repertoire that are full of, of, of twice-used underlined scriptures. Once I hit it twice, I give it away. You say, oh, I'm keeping mine. You can, I don't care. But for me, I want to seek and find every, every time. So, so here's the thing. It says, go from the presence of foolish men. How do we know that? We know it by how they talk. And I, like I was telling you in my story, and I've sat with pastors, and if you get at the right table or probably the wrong table, they will go around the table to determine how success is measured in your world. And they'll talk about size. Well, how many people come to your church? If you want to cause a pastor in public to sin, ask him how big his church is. Because he will lie boldface to you. Everybody who ever came to his church is a part of his church. This church would be a thousand members if I could just hold on to the people who are leaving because of me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> it says <laughs> the, the mouth does that. We as the body of Christ do not have to prove ourselves by numerical separation, financial separation, doctrinal separation. You don't go to their church. So it doesn't do you any good to have an attitude to what you, what you think they believe. Amen. Counseling a pastor recently. He's considering taking a job. Are you ready? At a Methodist church. Some of you grew up in a Methodist church. Some of you probably still going to a Methodist. I don't care. The point is... That you had, potentially, you had a question because he, before, before I could quiz him, and I wasn't going to quiz him, I don't care where he pastors. My issue with him is personal. It's not an issue. It's not a bad thing. My calling to him is to develop him as a man of God. I don't care where he preaches. I'm never going to listen to him. I don't get to go there. <laughs> I don't care what he preaches. In general, I don't care what he preaches. Okay? <laughs> here, here, here's the deal. He said, I'm, I'm considering this little church here, there, you know, Methodist church. And then before I could even have a thought, he says, but they're part of the confessing movement. He quite, see, you're all frowning. Some of you are frowning at me going, they're what? Okay, two groups within some churches, some that want to embrace the progressively political or progressively scriptural approaches to who God is and how he deals with stuff. So the confessing one is still ad adhering to the original kind of articles of confession and so forth. That Jesus is still Jesus and there are only two sexes and on and on. And on. See, it doesn't really make any difference. Here's the point. He's obviously had people 
when he's seeking someone to pray for him, they want to take apart what he's considering. Well, how can you go there? What if they believe wrong? Why would God call a pastor to a good church or a bad church? Because it's good and bad to us, right? You know why I'm here? But yes, God called me, but more specifically. (laughs) This is a hoot. Whatever it was that God, or is that God put in me, he decided you needed it. (laughs) Which makes people leaving because of me just a real hilarious deal. (laughs) I want nothing to do with that. Okay, well, I can't fix that for you. Again, I'm old enough and and processed enough that that I understand this. But but let let me just give you this position. Remember how this is written and potentially whom it's written to. Notice what it says, verse 7, go from the presence of a foolish man. Okay? He's giving his son perspective about living in the context of kingdom reigning. Kingdom reigning. Okay. How many of you, please don't raise your hand, or or please don't, if they're in the room, don't point at the foolish person. Okay? (laughs) Sorry. How many of you have ever been in the presence of what you perceive to be a foolish person and how many of you have ever decided that in the midst of that foolishness you should help them out and it actually drew you closer rather than took you the other direction because out of your heart of hearts you really wanted to help somebody I'd really like to help the church big C universally okay the only way for that to happen is for God to open those doors Not for me to become smart enough that somebody notices. So I walk through the doors that God opens. Not not the the doors that the world says, wow, there's this terrible, look at this, we need to speak into this. We might need to, but take it down just a notch and recognize that whoever is speaking to you has an ultimate call to God that says this is how you're supposed to be. Okay, so, so it changes. So what's he asking us to do? In the midst of maintaining kingdom decorum. Kingdom decorum. Boy, I'd like to teach on this. Do you understand that when God moves in heaven, everybody watches? When the king makes a move, everybody goes, boop, he's moving. When his mouth moves, every angel in the spirit world looks and goes, wait, he's getting ready to talk. It's kingdom decorum. What's he teaching us? If we focus our attention, he says, read it again, from the presence, go from the presence of a foolish man. If we put our focus on fixing the ills, we will walk into the traps of the enemy. See? Oh, I'm just going to help them. Okay, just a second. Make sure that what you're going to do is what God is calling you to do. I had a guy in my last church years ago. When Jesus set him free, he came to me and proudly announced because of his background what he was going to do to help other people. And I said to him, I said, "Um, excuse me for just a second and stop your story. I actually said, time out. If you take your newly found freedom back into the graveyard, what might happen to your freedom? Well, I'm going to trust God. 
you intend to trust God. Okay? You need to trust God in what he says to you, not what you think needs to be done. Go from the presence of a foolish man. Sorry, I'm, I'm seven verses in. When you do not perceive him, are you ready? In the lips of knowledge. What he asks you to do. I know that much of this goes in the face of some of the things that we've taught, or maybe even I've even said about judgment and all that. I'm not asking you to judge the person. I'm asking you to judge the words and effectively motivate your life. Okay? You do not want to run into a burning building to notify all the ignorant people that the building is on fire. Um, They know it's on fire. Come. What did Jesus say? Come, follow me. You can stand at the door of the house of a fool and say, come and follow me. Okay? (laughs) You don't want to run in there. That maybe wasn't the best example because maybe you do want to run in there and save people from the fire or whatever. But, but, But just spiritually, we need to be careful because we know that the lips, the perception of the lips of knowledge. So, this guy came to me and he said I was, he was going to do this. My perception was that wasn't very smart. Right? You say, what was he going to do? Why do you need to know that? If you leave your newfound freedom to go back into the jailhouse of your past, that does not sound or look smart. Right? I mean, gee, duh. And you say, well, should, I guess I shouldn't do that. Yes, you should not do that. Unless God is telling you. Tracy and I in our ministry have had enormous success, including with our own child, in the area of addiction. But I don't go running after everybody who looks to be addicted. Because unless God... and. Tracy's not here, so I can, I can speak somewhat more freely. It's harder for her when she has to relive this because of my words. But <laughs> when God said to us, you cannot any longer support this behavior, we put our own son on the street. And <laughs> you can say, whoa, that doesn't sound right. It didn't sound right to us either. And it took 18 months. 18 months of not knowing. In the middle of that, we're dealing with other families that God brought to us in this same area. And they want an answer. And the only answer we got is the one we're living, which is, we don't know how this ends. Now, I think the reason God brought that to us is because he wanted us to know how it ends. If it doesn't end like it starts... You've made a mistake. How did it start? We had to trust God. How did it end? We had to trust God. Trust God. Say, well, how do you know? Because I trust God. Well, what if? Because I trust God. There's lots of what ifs. I trust God. That makes sense. The perception of the lips of knowledge. You with me? Notice verse 8. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his ways. Notice that a prudent person, a wise, prudent person, is always making sure that every step that he takes to the best of his ability in God is not into a deeper mud hole. 
let's see if I can give you this. Do you understand that in your personal finances, you can never spend your way to prosperity? (laughs) Right? I mean, duh. I mean, presently, it looks as though our government spends over $2 for every dollar they get. Anybody who's ever bought a loaf of bread knows this won't work very long. I think we should elect a mother of four or five. I'm going to put Amy up. She's got six children. I'll guarantee you when she goes to take care of the needs of her family, she pays attention to how much money's in the account. And if we were to help her with that, she would get people who would pay attention to how much money's in the account. Does that make sense? See, it's, it's, the, it's the wisdom of the prudent to understand his ways. If you've ever been in financial trouble, what you will find out is once a credit card company understands that you're using the credit cards that way, somebody else will find out about it. They're talking to each other and they will send you an offer on a credit card for six months to 18 months, maybe even two years of interest-free transfer of, of debt. And so what happens in some people's lives, and the reason I can say this is because Tracy and I did it, is, oh, that'd be great if we could just have 18 months without the interest continuing to accrue on the stupid that we already bought. And so we did that, but you, you got to get real disciplined and you got to cut up the first card. Because <laughs> if not, that first card, when you, get the, when you transfer the balance, they will send you a bill that says you don't owe them nothing. Oh, I got a credit card with a zero balance. Well, that won't hurt anything then if I just use that. And I will reward myself with the zero balance card that I just paid off because I couldn't afford to pay it off. I paid it off with another loan. You say, well, we can't make it any other way. A wise man of prudence considers his every step. Here's what I learned. Before Dave Ramsey, this was back in the days of, who was the guy before Ramsey? What was his name? Burkett, Larry Burkett. I learned early on that if you're going to do that masquerade game of transferring from credit card to credit card, that you're actually going to buy in to a demonic ploy. Because nothing got paid for. And so what I learned was, if after I transferred it, I should cut up the card, let's cut out the middleman and cut, out the, cut up the card before we transfer the balance. Stop using it. Stop spending $2 when you only have one. It will not work ever. I picked that, and I hope I'm not picking on any of you. You know, if you've, if you've transferred balances on a credit card that you're trying to pay off, I'm sorry that I even said it this way. I was trying to pick something that wouldn't be, because oftentimes I'll pick something, and then I can tell by your face that I just swung a hammer and hit you between the eyes, okay? I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to, to show you that a wise man, look at it, verse number eight, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his ways. You, you, you need to understand what those, what those steps mean. Look at the second half. But the folly of fools is deceit. Notice deceit there is just a really nice way of saying untruth lies. 
Right. This 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 deception and this this evil twisting of half truths. Well, I'll be better off when I do this. I'll be better off when I do this. Verse number nine. Fools mark mock at sin. But among the upright, there is favor. Again, this is all about how our how our mouth works. Skip down, if you would, to verse 12. There's a way that seems right to a man. I love this one. But its end is the way of death. You got a plan? Make sure it's God's plan. Stop asking God to bless your harebrained ideas. You say, how do you know my idea is a harebrained idea? Because people are running headlong away from the instruction that is so clear in the Bible. Of course it's a crazy idea. You need to say it like this. I found this scripture in the Bible and I believe God is calling. That's not what people say. We're not saying God is calling me to this lifestyle or this thing. We're saying, I got this plan. I'm just asking God to bless it. And I've told you this story probably dozens of times. But I, I, I'd like to have money for everybody who wanted me to pray that they'd win the lottery. That was their harebrained idea. And back when I was even less gracious than I am today, that didn't go over big. Okay? It just didn't go over big. Man, you're stupid as taking root. Notice it says there's a way that seems right to a man. It always seems right to have a get-rich-quick scheme. Give me something for nothing. Listen, get out and work. You say, oh, I don't know, Pastor. Okay, let's put it on somebody else we don't even know. The, the conversation in our government right now is whether or not part of the conversation among the debt limit, right? We've borrowed like $32 trillion. Who can get your mind around that many zeros? And it costs $60 billion a month in interest. $2 billion a day. $2 billion a day. You can't. And because it doesn't make any sense, I mean, we ought to cut about six zeros off and have a conversation that the rest of us can understand. Or maybe nine zeros. It's just crazy, okay? But here's what happens. We have this way that seems right. And you may hear it on the TV, let's tax the rich people. If you confiscated the rich people's money, it wouldn't fix the problem. It wouldn't fix the problem. It's not the solution to gain more money to spend. It's that way in your life. Consider the way that you're walking. There's a way that seems right to a man. Again, I've been in this a long time dealing with pastors. 85% of the pastors in America today, are you ready? 85%, according to Barna statistics, are bivocational. What's the model we give them? I listen to it every day, or almost every day. The books I read, the podcast, and they all talk about team. Our church is one of the very few churches within 100 miles or more of here that has any concept of team. You don't have enough people to have a team in a church of 30 people when your pastor's working a 40-hour week and pastoring the church. You don't have any concept of that. So what do they want to do? They want to get to the mega church. Do the math, people of God. We have people from all over Yuma County and further that drive here. There are 9,679 people or some number like that that are in Yuma County. 
If all of them came here, we would barely break into the megachurch. Every person, every breathing person in Yuma County, and we would barely break into the megachurch picture. And you could not begin to imagine how dysfunctional that church is going to be because God didn't build it. See what I'm saying? You gotta, you gotta, there's a way that seems right. Pastors talk to me all the time and say, oh, isn't it so much easier? No, we don't have staff that's like me. Glad there's not a microphone in the sound booth. You don't need two of me. In fact, I have such glaring weaknesses that you need somebody that is so crazy strong in areas that I'm crazy weak in. I don't even care about some of the areas that some of the people that are working for us care about. I don't care. What do you want to do? I don't know. You figure it out. Amen. There's no way that seems right to a man, but it's in is the way of death. Look at there. I got all the way through 14, 13, 12 verses today. Praise God. We're going we're gonna to read chapter 15 next week. You can, you can get what I missed. Amen. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for teaching us by your word. We're so grateful for your revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live, and you can watch sermon slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.